Welcome to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They're a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower Henny. On today's podcast, <laughs> we're going to be talking about co-parenting during COVID. Get it? Co-parenting. Got it. COVID. Cool, huh? Good one. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So this topic has become really a tiresome. Yeah, and like a roller coaster of things since March of 2020, and. Like, what's going to happen next? Yeah, and we sort of thought in our office that maybe we kind of came through all the kinks of how to help our clients through these things. And then now we have vaccines for ages 5 to 11. And so all the COVID things that are happening with ex-parents, right? They've been divorced or they were never married and they have a parenting Or they're in the middle of their divorce. Yes. And they have different opinions about how to treat COVID-y things for their kids. So who to thunk differing opinions uh, between divorced people. Right. Yes. So we wanted to really kind of take a look back at the history of COVID and how it has created interesting situations in custody situations. So what was the first thing that happened? Like, I feel like our phones were ringing off the hook April 1 of 2020. I I feel like the majority of those calls, too, were from people with an open case with our office or cases that had just recently closed with us. And they were all freaking out about remote learning and who was going to be in charge of the remote learning. Like, which parent? Yeah, and I... I think, I mean, it was also this point in the world where our office literally was like, are we going to have to close? Is business still going to happen? Right? Like, are we, we didn't going, know what we were doing either. Are we going bankrupt? <laughs> and then all of a sudden the phone starts ringing the beginning of April and we're like, okay, well, I guess we'll get our bang for our buck on the COVID questions. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it, came about that, you know, kids, schools shut down. So kids were at home. And then some of the schools picked up the remote learning really quick. And some of them didn't, you know. I mean, I think OPS kind of struggled and there was just kids at home. Like, what are you going to do? Well, remember, though, it was like two days before the start of spring break in OPS. And they were like, okay, well, this is perfect timing. We're going to shut down for these 48 hours. Then spring break will happen and they'll all come back and it will all be over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's what happened there. And then no one came back after spring break. I think that was like the feeling everywhere. Like if we just can close and no one does anything for two weeks, (laughs) we'll be fine. We'll we'll see past this. Almost Because that's why everybody like ran out and bought all the toilet paper. They're like, I'm not going to be able to go to the store. I'm going to have to buy all this toilet paper. Right. (laughs) So I have to buy it now. We're running out again, right? I have heard that. Uh, Alyssa told us that she had called all the Costco's and they were like, our shipment comes in next week. Oh, yeah. And then Alyssa said that she uh, she was running out at her house. And so she ended up buying some toilet paper on Amazon and it was like one hundred dollars for like eight rolls or something. (laughs) 
I I can t- say that I bought toilet paper at Hy-Vee on Sunday and they were stocked. Oh, good. But it wasn't Costco. It was at Hy-Vee. Do you like the Costco brand better or what? Uh, no. Oh. I You got four rolls instead of 40? I, I prefer Charmin toilet paper oh. wherever I buy it from. Is it two-ply? I don't know. Four-ply? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, so you do, have you tried the Costco brand, the Kirkland? Yes. You don't like it? No. Oh, I think it's actually pretty great. It's not like paper. Um... I'll just say that I have very sensitive skin. <laughs> I was going to say, there's something to and lack of comments you're I, not making. Yeah, I, I have laundry detergent issues. I have all oh. of the, I have to use all the sensitive skin stuff. Okay, so, so I'll accept that Charmin <laughs> is what you need. What about the office? Because that stuff's kind of scratchy. Well, I think it's... Do you bring uh, your own roll with you every time you go in? No, I don't. <laughs> I just deal. I'm getting a facial expression of move along. Stop talking about toilet paper. (laughs) Let's talk about remote learning and being at home. The other part of the remote learning, though, that was really interesting is not only did school shut down, but all the people at work were, you know, almost immediately a work from home. Right. So we had all these people at home, school kids and potential people working from home. So if you think about the ex-spouses they've been divorced for whatever period of time they have a parenting plan that probably says they have 50 50 custody and one parent's working from home and the other parent's not and i think another thing to think about too is some people like their jobs were put on hold you know like if they were working in in a service industry or they you know like if they're waiting tables or something like that so some people were without a job and so they're home Yeah. And I think, interestingly, the first couple of phone calls I think that I remember back in the beginning was like, I'm working from home and my child needs to do remote learning, but my spouse is going to work. And my parenting days are Mondays and Tuesdays and his parenting days are Thursday and Friday. But because I can stay home with the kids, I should have them during the day on Thursday and Friday. Well, the other part, too, is that daycares were still open. Some. It was like hit or miss. Some were open and some were not. So then the parents who were remote work from home were like, let's save on daycare costs and the kids don't have to go to daycare. And then the parents, though, that had to go to work, there were some that were like, well, but that's my parenting time. So the kids shouldn't go to your house during that time. But on the flip side, there were also parents that were like, my work from home means I literally have to work at home. So I can't do the remote learning help and work from home. Right. It it was so different for every person. And inevitably, people who were divorced could not agree (laughs) on what they were going to do. Who'd have thunk it? I'm just shocked. I'm so surprised. But the other thing that I think about, too, you know, when you said some people just kind of were out of a job, teachers weren't out of a job, but then they had to create a whole thing and work from home so the teachers that also had young children that had to do their remote learning and then the teachers were doing, you know, teaching a class remotely from home, that had to have been chaotic in their houses. So I can tell you in my experience, so we are in the West Side School District. Our remote learning in March of 2020, the teacher didn't teach. So what happened was 
every morning the kids were required to log on at 8.30, which is the normal school start time. And they did a 20-minute video class chat. And the teacher went over the lessons the kids were going to be assigned that day. And then the kids got a blast through the inter-school email system what all their assignments were. And they didn't hear from the teacher again until the next morning at 8.30. So they were literally on their own. And this was, I think, in Westside every grade. So my son was in, what grade was he in? He was just last year. He was in fifth grade. (laughs) What grade is he in now? Minus one. No, he was in fourth grade when it started. It wasn't last year. It was the year before. It was the school year before. Okay. So he was in the he was in fourth grade. He finished fourth grade remotely. So he was independent enough to like do his own assignments, but they were doing that like for first graders? Yes. Wow. Note so then in fifth grade when we started the school year remote, the teacher was actually teaching. So there was like a schedule. So the teacher was on camera. But they could that the technology to do that like for the whole school day was not there until some time passed. And I think when we look at our office, everyone that works here, it seems like you were really the only person who had a school-aged child that needed, you know, some assistance during the day. Like we had a, we have a couple of people who have high school age kids that were just staying home I think on their own. But then it went all the way down to like babies. Yeah. And they all went to daycare. Yeah, I think in our office, the people whose kids were just daycare kids, their daycares were open. Yeah. Um, It was the after school care type things. Well, you know, like Tara said, her daycare serves like Children's Hospital and Methodist Hospital. So they they agreed to stay open. I mean, there was no mandate that daycares had to close. Right. So but I think some just did. Right. So then we moved into this uh, like idea of socializing and we were having parents call and say, you know, again, they're divorced parents in a typical situation and one parent's calling and saying, well, my ex-spouse is taking the kids to parties and not doing the quarantining, social distancing things they're all telling us to do. So it's basically one parent saying, I'm trying to follow CDC guidelines and my ex-spouse is not. And because of that, we should modify and I should get full custody. (laughs) I had a case that was pending during this time and the parties had split and they had agreed to a parenting time schedule for a temporary schedule that was like, when dad wasn't working, he had the kids. It worked out to be like two and a half to three days a week. And... Then COVID started and she called me and she's like, well, dad's in a band. And so the band is still performing like at bars and restaurants and clubs and garages. And he's taking the kids and there's before it was like not a bad thing because there was other kids there and it was like a fun family environment. But now it's a dangerous environment. Mm -hmm. And so we went back to the judge and the judge said, the only thing I will agree to modify is that both parents have to follow the CDC guidelines. So that was the order. So then it was like, okay, whatever the CDC says. And, you know, they were like saying like gatherings of 
mm-hmm. 50 or less <laughs> was okay or whatever. Yeah. But then it was on the parents to know what those were because they changed daily. I remember doing some consults for the parents that literally the message was, Tracy, I want to modify and I should get full custody in so many words because I'm the better parent and I'm smarter and I'm going to be able to keep them safer. Yeah. And it was like, I felt like this was their moment that they were waiting for. Like, <laughs> oh, yes, I'm finally going to get finally full a pandemic. Yes. And I think those <laughs> consults were like, listen, I don't think you're going to get full custody. I suppose we could go and ask for a modification. And I remember all the emails going back and forth on our listserv saying, has anyone tried this argument? And some people were coming in and saying yes. And the judges are not interested in hearing this at all. Yeah. And the judges were really putting the onus on us as the lawyers to like weed these people out and calm them down. And, you know, along with the idea of I'm a better parent because I don't take my kid to the big gathering like the other one does. Then there was that argument of and I make sure the kids always wear a mask and I always wear a mask. So and the other the other parent doesn't do that. So, of course, I'm the better parent, (laughs) you know, like putting that in there, too. And again, yeah, the judges are like, really? And on the flip side of that, too, the parents that were taking the kids out to the, you know, banned things were saying, well, the other parent is keeping these kids like hostage inside <laughs> and they're not learning anything and doing yeah. anything. And they're not socializing. Yeah. They're not having, you know, they're never seeing their extended family. That was a big one, especially yes. with holidays. Yes. Well, let's talk about that, because then the next thing that happened really summer of 2020 comes and now the question is traveling. Yeah, and, and I think we saw this in two ways. You know, we saw it with the parents who only really get summer parenting time because they don't live in the same area. So, you know, parents split and, you know, one parent gets a job offer in Texas. So they move to Texas and then they have the kids for the whole summer. And then it was other things like, well, summer family vacations the 4th of July or we always go to Branson for a week in the summer with you know do a family reunion you know those were like the different types of travel issues that we saw and I even remember like in that situation some clients saying well maybe I don't really care if they take our kids on a family vacation we can't just have everyone in the same house together. The, you know, they're coming from all these different households. And and Uncle Joey, that was from Full House. <laughs> Uncle Joey <laughs> is like super risky behavior and like yeah. he's going to infect everyone. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's probably Uncle Jesse. And then they wanted to <laughs> like say like, oh, well, they can go if they have their own private room or whatever. It was like, that's really not going to happen. <laughs> the judges aren't going to say okay, you can go on the summer vacation if that one parent ensures the kids have their own room and all gatherings are outside. And Well, and not only, like, are the judges not interested in these details of someone's travel schedule and the logistics? We almost couldn't get into court, right? <laughs> I mean, the judges were like, we're, the courthouse is closed. you got to figure out how to do something different. Well... You know, and the courthouse wasn't really closed. It was like each judge was kind of doing whatever the heck they wanted to do because our Supreme Court refused to close the courthouse. 
Well, but remember, there were memos that came out that basically said, do not come to the courthouse unless you need to. Yeah. And, and it was like, and that means if you need to file a protection order. And it was so confusing because then if you went down to county court for criminal cases, it was operating a little differently, but not differently enough that, you know, there was no court happening. Right. So it was like, what the heck? Like, and every day it was changing. You know, we would get a memo and then we would get a memo. And I remember we would print them and we like stacked them up <laughs> on this countertop and it was you know, like this one's from the Supreme Court. This one's from the district court. This one's from county court, but only Douglas County. And then this one's from Sarpy. But then juvenile court emailed them. And juvenile court is still doing a lot of stuff remote. So who the heck? Knows? We just still don't even know what's happening. Every hearing. Am I supposed to be there in person or is this? Yeah. Remote. Yeah. Uh, so, well, what was that Japan case? So we had a case that the dad was in the military. And I think this was a situation where dad only had the summer parenting time because he didn't live here in in the Omaha area. And so his normal parenting time was all summer long. And he was trying to make the travel arrangements for the kids to come out to see him. And he he was, I think, probably some military. So he was stationed, I think, in California or maybe Hawaii. I can't remember which. And mom was like, well, the kids aren't coming with you. And top it off, he had gotten an assignment for just the summer to go to Japan. And he was going to take his kids with him to Japan on his assignment. And he thought, well, it's my parenting time. And this was when like the numbers in Japan were really, really high. I mean, it was basically going to Wuhan, China. Well, I think even the borders potentially were, or like travel wasn't allowed, but because he was military, he was going to be allowed. So, and the kids his, are his family, so he could take them. Have you, have you, have you had a military case where the, they talk about the flight, the military plane flights? No. Well, and the reason <laughs> I'm asking is because like, if the borders were closed in Japan, you know, right now, we barely can't go to Europe. And can we even go to Canada? I don't know. But the military spouse or military flights, um, you can literally get on a plane and it's there's no seats and it's just like the open. Oh, like a cargo? Yeah. And so they say that even your kids can come when you have parenting time and you're going over to a, an assignment that they can come. And so I've had cases where these parents are like, you know, I want the travel schedule. And they're like, I don't know what plane I'm going to get on. We're going to go and wait and see which plane we can get on next. So I wonder if that was sort of happening with this guy's Japan mm. assignment. And then they go and they get in the back and there's like a tank and yeah. a bunch of supplies yes. and then a bunch of kids. Yeah. Hmm. No sandwiches handed out on that plane, I'm guessing. <laughs> Probably some crackers. Oh, man. Yeah. So I think what we ended up doing in that case was we, I don't know if we filed a show cause or a motion to enforce the dad's parenting time and it actually got to hearing. And I'm sure at this point it was well into the dad's supposed time. And the mom. she said she withheld the child yes. from going. Yeah. And the judge said, I am not allowing the children to travel anywhere. They can't go to California or, or Hawaii, whichever one it was, with the dad. And then the, for sure, they cannot go to Japan. So basically, the judge said, 
sorry, dad, you don't get your parenting time because you don't live here and we're in the middle of a pandemic. And, and I'm not going to mom in contempt. Right. Yeah. But at some point that dad got some makeup parenting time. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the rest of the case, how that turned out. It wasn't my case, but it was, I mean, how do you make up that? You really can't. Yeah. So, But then we had other judges that were like, I'm not making this decision. Right. And I'm not going to hold someone in contempt. I think COVID was a very, very, very good reminder that all of our judges do things completely differently. No. <laughs> and and one judge might rule one way with one case and then do the opposite on the next case. Of it, de- it depends on what side of the bed they woke up on. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, but nothing highlighted it more than COVID in my experience. I mean, sometimes I want to walk into judges' chambers and be like, hey, judge, did you wake up on the good side of the bed today or the bad side? And I'll maybe know how you're going to rule. I I really want to say what the fuck all the time. I think we maybe should. Or if you say WTF, is it better? Or you say WTAF, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Um, I had to spell it out in my head. I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that could be another podcast. Like, what we really want to say to judges, but don't. <laughs> that would be fun. And then invite them and send them all the link. <laughs> Maybe we could get a guest judge and they would tell us why they do stuff. I, I got it. We will do the uh, microphone voice changer and have anonymous guests. And then judges won't know who, who's saying what about them or what they thought. My my kid has one of those as a toy. It's like it looks like a little megaphone. And yes. You talk in it and it's like rawr, rawr, rawr. makes your voice funny. We could bring that. Yeah, we would know, though. We would have to sign a confidentiality agreement with the judge. Yeah. We won't tell anyone. Oh, you want a judge to come in? Yeah, with the voice changer. Oh, I thought we were just going to have some lawyers kind of like shit talking judges' decisions. Oh, both. Both. To be clear, not shit talking judges, but their decisions. Yeah. So we could we could have we could have a judge and a lawyer that has an issue with that judge, and then. Try to mediate the issue. Yeah. I except judges can't comment on like pending things, right? So I don't But think if they're if they have a voiceover voice changer, maybe we could they put would. a paper bag over their head <laughs> with the cutouts. <laughs> Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Yeah. As a mask. <laughs> so So we won't we won't even know which so we'll invite ten judges and one of them shows up, we won't know which one that is. When I was a kid, my mom was not excited about Halloween. So I often did the paper bag mask and like wrote <laughs> Frankenstein so was really easy oh. to do because mm. Frankenstein has like the square head. And, <clears throat> yeah. And then you didn't. And sometimes we would do clown face on the mask. That was an easy one to do, too. Funny. <laughs> Funny, but sad. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us, you know, to where we are now, and that's the vaccines. And we just had a consultation with a potential client. Um, As far as I know, she has not yet become a client, but her position was that she did not want her children to get vaccinated, and they were in the age 5 to 11 group. And um, she was concerned that her ex-husband would go get the kids vaccinated, and she wanted to know what she could do to stop that. And that conversation was, 
We don't know. But here's different tools in the toolbox. We could file what's called an injunction, which is basically sort of like a cease and desist court order that says you're on notice that you can't do this. And then it's sort of like extra bad if you do it. (laughs) And, you know, the problem is in that situation is most parents have joint legal custody, which means you get to jointly make medical decisions and the court relies on the ability for them to do that. And but on the same hand, you go, you take your kid to Hy-Vee or Kohl's. They're going to jab him in the arm. They don't care what your decree says. Right. They're not. They don't even care if that's your parent or not. Yeah. They you don't find check. a kid off the street and take him in. Then you're just going to jab him in the arm. So we're not finding kids off the street. You looked at me funny. <laughs> like wait. I was like, well, that's a really extreme <laughs> example to make this point. They don't ask you. Yeah, they if don't care. You're the parent. And so the conversation we had with this woman was. You know, if if your husband, ex-husband goes and gets them vaccinated, there's no huge ramification. Right. Other than potentially a punitive penalty, uh, which just means you got to pay money because you knew you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Because you can't unvaccinate a kid or a person. I mean, like maybe if you right after they jab, you cut their arm off and that you get the (laughs) vaccine out of their system. That's the only thing you could do. But. If, if one parent did that, I think we'd have bigger problems than whether the kid got vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, I think that would turn into a criminal defense client. Yeah. And maybe a divorce and probably estate planning. And maybe some modifications <laughs> yeah. some based on real material changes of circumstance. Yeah. So, but the other interesting thing is, you know, the new newest age of vaccines is younger than... Um, the previous, right? It started at 16 and then it went to 12 and now it's under 12. Right. So why is it different with these, these younger kids? Well, I think with some of the older kids, they were their own advocate. You know, they were saying like, I really want to get the vaccine or I really don't. And, you know, probably able to say why they felt that way. You know, like I, I'd like to get the vaccine because you know, then I feel like I'm more safe or I don't want to get the vaccine because I'm, I'm not, you know, I I don't know how to make a case for that (laughs) really. But I, I mean, I could imagine someone saying something like, well, I don't think it's been studied enough or whatever, or, you know, my, my one parent doesn't want me to get it. And I align with that parent. I think that's more of what we were seeing. Well, and one thing we talked about though, um, was foster kids, and that's a whole group of children that have an interesting implication that the Department of Health and Human Services is their legal guardian. Yeah, foster kids are in a unique situation that nobody else is in because when you're in foster care, the Department of Health and Human Services, which is an agency, is your legal parent instead of your mom and dad. But your mom and dad still have medical decision-making power over you. So like if a kid got really sick and they were in foster care and the doctor's like, well, we think we should remove their tonsils, the parents have to give consent. And most of the time they do because the doctor is saying like, here's what we need to do. But for this vaccine thing, it's it's a different thing, right? Because the doctors, the kid isn't going to the doctor because they're sick. So some of the foster kids, especially some of the older kids were saying, I want to get the vaccine. They're telling their caseworker 
And some of these parents are either, you know, completely off the grid, missing an action, you know, whatever, can't get consent, or those parents are refusing to consent. So a lot of those foster kids were then going through their guardian ad litem and the having a hearing, and the judge was determining whether the child should get the vaccine or not. Well, that takes time yeah, and clogs up the system with something that, you know, shouldn't be there, so... So the court is the place to go, right? <laughs> if you have questions about this. But I think I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, speak with an attorney about what what situation you're in and if it may be a unique situation that going to court is appropriate, but probably you're going to get advice that the court's going to assume you can work it out between the two parents. And I think the other thing that I would say is if you are against getting the vaccine for your kids, you need to make that very clear with your ex-spouse or your co-parent. Then that way, if they do get them vaccinated and if you have joint legal custody, you might have some avenue. Right. But also remember, yeah, unless you cut their arm off, (laughs) it's pretty much a done deal. Yeah, If it gets done, you undoing it is... Not possible. What's done is done. Yeah. So, what it it's COVID in co-parenting. Co-parenting in COVID. Yes, I'm sure there will be uh, more things that we could have never dreamed about from COVID and how it applies to co-parenting. We just haven't seen it. We yet. haven't heard. So next time. Maybe we'll know more about it. <laughs> we'll we'll clue you in. Yeah. Done Thanks that. for listening. Check you later. Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. And be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Rep Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.